Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. This is Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. We got a lot of opportunities at MyFaithRadio.com for you to engage and also um, access resources that are going to help you grow in your faith to more fully equip you for um, the, the ministry that God's called you to do today. That's right. You are a missionary. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. You are an agent of God's grace. So maybe you didn't get up this morning feeling that way, all that empowered or big, but um, that's who God says you are. Yes, you are his child and you are beloved. Absolutely. And you can just crawl up in his lap if that's what you need right now. If what you need right now is just to feel the everlasting arms of the Father encircle you and wrap you up, um, then do that. But if you're ready uh, to go out there today on behalf of God. And, you know, we we pray in the Lord's Prayer um, that we want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we actually make that effective. Like we make that happen by being people who know God and are filled with the power of God's Holy Spirit to go out there into the world that God so loves and to say to the enemy, not today, not on my watch, not this one square inch, here I stand. Here I stand. So there are a lot of folks who are engaged in the um, freedom convoy slash freedom protest. It's kind of morphed over the last three weeks. This effort of resistance in in the Canadian capital of Ottawa. There are a number of these individuals who are Christians. And if you watch what's happening, if you watch the coverage from uh, the from the protest, you're going to hear and see lots of references to passages of Scripture, to God, to, I mean, you're going to hear this one woman, all she seems to say all the time everywhere is hallelujah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I am going to um, invite us to think critically about the way the Christian message and the gospel of Jesus are sometimes co-opted and used um by individuals and by groups to advance particular agendas. You know, so the people who are showing up with weapons and the people who are talking about overthrowing the government, um, they can't speak out of both sides of their mouth. And and then on the other side, you know, say that they are the Jesus people. All right. Just to be clear, Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman government. He gave himself as a sacrifice for you and I and our sins and the sins of the world um, in order that a kingdom might be instituted, his kingdom, eternal, everlasting. And yes, it finds expression on earth as it is in heaven, but it finds expression 
um, in ways that uh, are often counter to the political realities of the day. So that is not me uh, supporting nor failing to support those who are engaged in the convoy in the uh, in the protest in in Ottawa and across Canada and the one planned for here in the United States in Washington, D.C., the first week of March. That's not me lending nor withholding my support for any of that. That is me saying to each of us as Christians, there are threads of this conversation that we need to be able to pull apart and look at independent of one another. We also need to be praying for everyone involved, for their safety, for resolution that is um, God-honoring and, yes, people-honoring. We need to be praying, and so let us be doing that. And we certainly need to be um, praying for people who are, you know, by their own conviction, contributing, who have now been outed. Uh, doxxed online and are under vociferous attack um, personally for for their monetary support of this effort. So all of that is going on today. I recognize it. I know it. I'm calling us as Christians to thoughtfully consider what's happening and be able to pull apart the threads. Yes, I celebrate the evidence of revival among some. I also think very critically about the use of the name of Jesus or passages of Scripture um, on signs or over loudspeakers that may or may not actually be advancing kingdom, Jesus' kingdom issues, and may just be um, being used for some political purpose. And, And we need to be able to sift through and sort all of that out. All right, Adam Holtz joins us next. He is from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about some things going on in the culture. He's uh, he's going to give us a little insight as well into some of those Super Bowl ads that you may or may not have seen this past weekend. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can read reviews of uh, all kinds of media at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back, man. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So I read this headline uh, about Stephen Colbert, and I thought to myself, well, I am going to ask Adam Holtz to help me understand um, how it is that Stephen Colbert is, at least by some, being lifted up as a person of faith in the public square. Yeah. You know, Stephen Colbert has been really open about his Catholic faith uh, repeatedly. Uh, it's not something he hides under a bushel. Um, and he talks about that. And he had a guest on, Dua Lipa, who is uh, a, a singer. And she asked him about the relationship between his faith and his humor. She said, do your faith and comedy ever overlap? Um, And he said, I think ultimately us all being mortal, the faith will win out at the end. But I certainly hope when I get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor. And then he actually, when he talks about his faith, he's incredibly articulate. Like, I'm like, who's this guy? 
And let me push mm-hmm. the pause button. And I'm going to come back to that. Um, but he talked about being a Catholic and a Christian. He said, I'm a Christian and a Catholic. That's always connected to the idea of love and sacrifice being somehow related of giving yourself to other people that death is not defeat. Um, and Tim Keller came out and, and he said other things too. I'm not going to read everything he said. You can find it at christianheadlines.com. Uh, Tim Keller, who of course is, um, a, uh, reformed pastor and, and, I actually think a very eloquent spokesman for the Christian faith. He said, this is a brilliant example of how to be a Christian in the public square. Notice the witness, but in a form the culture can handle, we should desire to have more Christians in these spaces and give them grace as they operate. And then, you know, not surprisingly, there was some criticism of Keller. And he said, when you quote a person as an example in a particular moment, it doesn't mean you have to answer for that entire person's life for the quote to be valid. Um, and man, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I agree with, with Tim Keller that we can laud something that someone says, and that doesn't mean that we're giving a green light to their entire person. And that brings us back to Colbert because I have a hard time with him between the sarcasm, the mean spiritedness and him being pretty much in lockstep with, every expression of the progressive left that you can think of, um, it's hard for me to see where and how Colbert's faith influences what he does. Now, you can you can totally take issue with me and say I'm up to lunch, but I have, I have struggled with him because there's a mean-spiritedness in a lot of what he does that I think is at odds with what he is professing here. Um, so... Uh, you know, on one hand, I say, man, I'm glad he's talking about his faith. On the other hand, I think that we can ask legitimate questions about the way that Stephen Colbert does his shtick. How consistent with that faith is he? And I would say there's some inconsistency there. So when Tim Keller, because um, this is in the in the sort of aftermath, because Keller got you know a lot of heat. Um, And he responded, as you said, when you quote a person as an example in a particular moment, it doesn't mean you have to answer for that entire person's life uh, for that quote to be valid. It's almost like those who do so don't want to deal with the material at hand. So I had this like exact same experience yesterday. Um, I think it was yesterday. I said, you know, I invited people to be praying for Francis Collins. Francis yeah. Collins is yep. is a Christian. He's an yep. evangelical Christian. Um, he's pro life, and he yep. it now finds himself in a very uh, in a position of very significant influence, literally at the right hand of the president of the United States as his chief science advisor. And I got so much blowback. Oh yeah, um, totally. You know because you know well Francis Collins. I mean, not even a real Christian. And I'm thinking to myself. Okay, have we arrived at the place where, like, we honestly can't pray for a person who's in who's in the king's inner circle, like at the highest level of you know what we would consider Caesar's uh, you know council? Like, right. if, if we're going to roll back in time, um, am I not going to am I not going to pray for Paul before Caesar? Because there's things in Paul's life that I look at and I say to myself, well, he's not a real Christian. I mean, you know, he right. had Christians killed, right? So I I think that this um, Colbert situation 
particularly when you lift up a person like Tim Keller, who's actively dying of pancreatic cancer, and we all know it. Um, you know, and, and we say to ourselves, OK, I'm going to I'm going to freely slam Tim Keller for right. positively lifting up um, evidence that God has elevated someone or allowed someone to be elevated in a cultural context where he, he can bear positive public witness. Um, but because there are things about Colbert's politics and or his particular expression of the Christian faith that I don't like or don't agree with. Um, I am not only going to dismiss any positive influence Colbert may have, I am going to tear down Tim Keller for having right. said something positive about Colbert. Like, I, that just, it all makes me sad. It all just yeah. makes me sad that we as Christians have arrived at this place in our public discourse with one another. Yeah. I, I, there's a zero sum thinking, and it's sort of like if you don't check all of the boxes somehow you're illegitimate as opposed to being able to say there are things that i may agree with and find resonance with and things that i may have questions about you know um i think francis collins is a great example of that i think we could we could talk about kanye west i mean what an example of of someone Mm -hmm. who has lifted up the name of jesus and also has done other things that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, and and I think it's it's the mean spiritedness that that I think we need to be careful of because in my own life I don't get mean until I've made a judgment. Right? It's mm-hmm. like if I have pronounced you wrong or evil or wicked, then I'm then it's open season on you and I can do and say whatever I want because you're in the wrong. And we get, we get really frustrated when people on the left do that against Christians. Right. Uh, so it seems like we ought to be modeling that ourselves. And, you know, thinking back even over what I said about Colbert a few minutes ago, I'm trying to think of whether I'm consistent here and it's hard to be consistent. Right. And, but at the same token, by the same token, I think we're called to grace and truth uh, we're called to humility, but courage. Like there are all these virtues that are seemingly sort of paradoxical, uh, and it's hard to it's hard to live in that paradox. We actually don't like paradox very well because <laughs> uh, we want to resolve it one way or the other. Um, anyway, I'm now off on a philosophical rabbit trail. No, but, it's okay. Um, but I think if I'm being mean and judgmental. That ought to be a flashing red light for me to hit the pause button and look at my own life and say, what's going on in my heart that I think I have the right to stand in judgment? Um, And by the same token, Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So Jesus called us to look deeper into ourselves and at the people and the things around us, too. So, again, we've got that paradox there. Yeah, lots of conversations um, on the text line about uh, about judgment and the word judgment and also discernment and um, and being discerning. So thank you to uh, Barb and Lori and Kathy and Mary and uh, Evan and Royce and on and on and on for checking in. Um, you can always communicate with me during the show. The text line is open 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. In just a moment, he's going to take us into some of the Super Bowl ads. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Faith, faith. 
All right, we're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. We're just touching on a number of um, culture headlines and reflecting on them together. You can also read all of the current, um, what do we call those, Adam, where you review a movie? Yeah, movie reviews at FocusOnTheFamilyIsPluggedIn.com. But you've got uh, Paul Acey uh, has a piece um, on the blog, on the culture blog, uh, on, on Plugged In, on Super Bowl ads. Can you talk with us a little bit about this? Because gambling figured largely. Yeah. I mean, the Super Bowl was interesting this year in that much of what was featured was a virtual product. Yeah, we had electric car ads, but we had a ton of ads for cryptocurrency. You know, we had a ton of ads for the new 5G service, which is just, you know, how to get your data faster. Um, And we had ads for the metaverse, which is Facebook's new immersive virtual reality, um, you know, thing. It's not just Facebook's, but they're making a huge push that way. And then we had a ton of gambling ads. And we actually talk about this on our podcast this week, the plugged in show. I think somewhere in the last year or so, I really started to notice them. And if you're a football fan, you can't spend more than five minutes watching a game without being bombarded by ads for online gambling. And this is a relatively new thing. There was a, a Supreme court ruling at the end of 2017 that, basically gave the states the right to to make whatever rules they wanted about online gambling. And now 30 states have legalized online gambling. So more than not. And you and I grew up in a time, Carmen, when I think gambling was still seen as not a nice thing. You know, like there was still, if you were going to go to Vegas for the weekend to go gambling, you maybe didn't uh, advertise that to everybody. There was still a degree, I think, in which the culture said gambling is not something that is part of the collective good. And then in the 1980s, and this is a little history lesson on gambling, we started to get the lottery. And the lottery, I think, was the slippery slope. And then we began to see gambling on Native American reservations. And now it's everywhere. And our kids are growing up in an environment where gambling is just depicted as normal. Um, and these ads reinforce that they have all kinds of celebrities. I'm, it saddens me, uh, you know, that Peyton Manning is on one of these ads. Cause I think, oh, okay. Think that's what I wrote down. The, I, I, I just confess to you. I confess <laughs> to you. I wrote that down. I'm like, what is Peyton Manning doing advertising yeah. gambling? What? I mean, yeah. he, yeah. Okay. So it's there you crazy. go. We have the and same person from, in mind. I think from a biblical point of view, there's two broad ways to think about our, uh, well, to think about gambling. I think you can think about it. There's not, scripture doesn't say very much about gambling in the way that we do it directly. Obviously you could talk about casting lots and there's some things in old Testament that you could pull out, but gambling as a thing like it is now, isn't really referenced in scripture, but we do have a tremendous amount written, especially in Proverbs about those who want to get rich quick fall into trouble. And uh, about greed, about the love of money, about placing our hope in money. And and gambling, um, I, I think philosophically, is exactly what we're not supposed to be doing. Now, if, you know, if you're walking through an airport or you're staying in a casino and you drop a quarter in a slot machine, are you going to go to hell for that? No. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I want to 
be really clear here. I'm not trying to be a zealot, but I think just in terms of stewardship and in terms of what we're doing with God's resources, Scripture has a lot to say about us individually using money that way. And then on the bigger level, gambling is a system of oppression that enslaves people. Amen. Um, I've, I've been in a few casinos in my life. I'm not, I've never been much of a gambler, but I, I've been through some casinos. I'm not sure there's anything more depressing than looking at row upon row of people with glassy eyes dropping, you know, quarters into slot machines and pulling it. It's the, it is an outward expression of, of addiction and of mm-hmm. bondage. And so even if we're not addicted, even if we think, okay, I can drop 20 bucks at a blackjack table and it's just entertainment, and you could look at it that way, you're still participating in a system that for some people absolutely enslaves them. And uh, I don't think we think about it enough, and it's sort of like the frog in the kettle, right? It's now everywhere. It's normal. Our kids are growing up in an environment where gambling is just another thing. And I think we need to think critically about that. Yeah. And now, I mean, no, there, it's a, it's a swipe on your phone. Um, it's instantaneous. You don't have oh, to go yeah, anywhere to participate in it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And it, yeah. and, and so, um, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, was it Monday? I think it was Monday that, um, I mean, a, a, a woman reached out to a Christian radio host to say last night on his phone, my husband gambled away our mortgage payment. Oh, wow. Right. So there are real victims. It's really happening. It's happening in real time. And Christians are really not saying anything about it. And we have to no. be. Um, and we're at worse. We're participating actively right. exactly. um, in it. So, yeah, I thank you for highlighting it. Um, it, it is of, of real concern to me. Um, and I appreciate what Paul AC had to say about it. Um, in in his blog on the Focus on the Family Plugged In website. All right, you guys, there are reviews for Uncharted and Tall Girl 2 and a bunch of other things at PluggedIn.com, so go check it out. Um, Adam, as always, thanks so much for joining us. You bet, Carmen. Thank you. We'll be right back. Yeah. All righty. I have um, so many things uh, for us to talk about. So how about we just talk? So this is just going to be you and me chatting. Um, So let me bring you, let's see, quickly, the Friday Farm Report. Yes, the mousetrap worked. And when one really fat mouse um, has been trapped and executed, I don't mind telling you. However, um, where there is one mouse, yes, apparently there are more because the sound of the mice activity has actually not been greatly reduced by the eradication of one mouse. So that continues. Um, And our daffodils um, all popped up a couple of days ago, only last night in the uh, very cold wind to find themselves now frozen, lying on the ground this morning. There you go. That's the that's the uh, that's the farm report. So much for you and I uh, to talk about today. Um, I, I want to maybe stay on the animal theme for just a moment because there is a move afoot for um, animals uh, to have a bill of rights, in particular cats and dogs. How would you feel about 
the government requiring the posting of a bill of rights for cats and dogs. What would be on that? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and we'll be right back. All right. Thank you to each and every one of you uh, who has given your your offered your wisdom <clears throat> on my mouse challenge. Um, Jim uh, in Simsbury, Connecticut, has his wife paying him five dollars per mouse. I, I got to tell you, um, hopefully my Jim is uh, who is my husband is not listening right now because I I don't I would go broke. I feel like I would go broke paying him five dollars a mouse. Um, uh, I like this from Mary. Mary says that she started using mint, which apparently mice don't like. She put mint tea bags uh, around the edges of entrances and sprays mint essential oil. I've heard that cayenne pepper uh, is also effective uh, as like a boundary. Yeah, deterrent. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going with the old-fashioned mousetrap for now. All right. California legislators are looking at a bill of rights for cats and dogs. So, I mean, some of this will not surprise you, nor that it was introduced in California. Um, But what I want us to pay attention to here is the conversation in the culture about who has rights and what rights those are and our relationship uh, as human beings made in the image of God to every other creature and every other animal. And so, you know, let me start by saying I love cats and I love dogs. I love dogs more than I love cats, but I love cats and dogs. Um, and, and you know, I own dogs. We no longer have a cat. Our last cat was Daisy. She was magnificent. Um, we have chickens. Periodically, we have cows. We don't currently have cows because now we have beef in the freezer. So that probably tells you a lot about my understanding of the relationship between humanity and animals. So cats and dogs. The proposal in California would be to enact the Dog and Cat Bill of Rights requiring every public animal control agency or shelter um, I mean, the list is very, very long. Rescue groups, da-da-da-da-da, to post a copy of the Dog and Cat Bill of Rights. Now, dogs and cats can't read, so clearly the posting of the Bill of Rights is not for the cats and dogs. It is clearly to influence human behavior. And failure to post the Dog and Cat Bill of Rights would come with the imposition of civil penalties. The bill would make uh, legislative findings and declarations in support of the Cat and Dog Bill of Rights by imposing duties on public officials. So they're in much the same way that um, restaurants, you know, the 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 health people, what do they call that? Uh, you know, where they go in and they make sure that your restaurant is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And frankly, that there's no ma- mice in the kitchen, probably. All right, those health inspectors. In, this, in much the same way that health inspectors go and give ratings to restaurants, um, well, there would now be government officials going around to make sure that the cat and dog Bill of Rights is appropriately posted in all of the right places. Here is what the Bill of Rights under uh, this legislation would declare. Cats and dogs have the right to be free from exploitation, cruelty, neglect, and abuse. Now, I agree with that. I agree to that. I I would say that people who have cats and have dogs ought to take care of them. Absolutely. Um, 
Here's number two. Cats and dogs have the right to a life of comfort, free of fear and anxiety. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, cats get their hackles up over everything. I don't know. Is your cat free from fear and anxiety if you let a dog pass in front of the window? And are dogs free from anxiety? You know, if I, I don't know, I don't, I, I, if, you know, they're they're perimeter protection creatures. I don't know if that's free from fear and anxiety. How are you going to test that? All right. Cats and dogs have the right to daily mental stimulation and appropriate exercise. I got no idea what I, what how that would be measured and tested. Cats and dogs have the right to nutritious food, sanitary water, shelter in an appropriate and safe environment. Totally 100% agree. Uh, dogs and cats have the right to preventative and therapeutic health care. Well, to what extent? To what extent? Um, I mean, I am, uh, you know, people have neurotic cats. That's actually like the nature of the cat is, is neuroses. And so uh, is your cat in therapy? And if not, are you in somehow violation of your cat's rights? And if so, should there be civil penalties against you? You, you see how challenging this is, right? Cats and dogs, and again, I'm reading from this legislation under consideration in California. um, That would be the Cats and Dogs uh, Bill of Rights. Okay. Cats and dogs have the right to be properly identified through tags, microchips, and other humane means. I, I, okay. Let me just say right now, I have a dog who she's like lost three tags. So currently her tag does not quote unquote properly identify her. It identifies us. It identifies who we are and where she lives. But it has currently her tag has the name of another dog who never lost his tag. And so it's a tag we still have because it's a dog we don't have. And so, you know, is Millie walking around misidentified, misnamed and even misgendered? Yes, she is. But if she got lost, her tag would get her home, which seems to be the point of wearing a tag. Okay. Cats and dogs have the right to be... This one is stunning. Cats and dogs have the right to be spayed and neutered to prevent unwanted litters. Who unwants the litter, by the way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a moment. Cats and dogs have the right to be spayed and neutered. I don't... I, how are you going to judge whether or not your cat or dog wants a litter or wants to be spayed or neutered? Like, I, this is a judgment human beings have to make. Why? Because God gave us stewardship over the animal kingdom and every animal in the animal kingdom because we are the image bearers of the living God. And in the creation mandate, which you can find in the book of Genesis, God sets us as an authority as their caretaker, as the, we love them, we care for them, we provide for them, and yes, we appropriately use them. Working dogs, right? Domesticated animals used for um, the good of all. So, I mean, I would add to this that dogs and cats have a right to work. They have a right to meaningful work. Your dog and your cat, they don't mean your cat might want to lay around all day because I don't know. That seems to be the nature of cats. But dogs like to work. They like to have a job. They want to do something. I don't know. How's that right to work going for the dogs? All right. Now, yes, if it's freezing outside, your dog needs shelter. And 
probably to be brought inside. I mean, like, I, right? I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for the mistreatment of animals. Please don't at me about that. I'm advocating for the right understanding of the relationship between human beings and animals. So I love James Harriet's All Creatures Great and Small, um, and I love the hymn All Things Bright and Beautiful. So I want us to consider this as we consider the creation mandate and our relationship to animals. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, God made their glowing colors, God made their tiny wings. The purple-headed mountain, the river running by, the sunset and the morning that brightens up the sky, the cold wind in the winter, the pleasant summer sun, the ripe fruits in the garden, God made them everyone. God gave us eyes to see them and lips that we might tell. How great is God Almighty who has made all things well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Wow, so many helpful ideas. You guys are just full of so many helpful ideas. And and so many of you um, encouraging me at the intersection of the cat and mouse problem. Yes, yes, you're right. The mouse problem could be solved by the simply getting a cat. Mm-hmm. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. It's Friday, and there were just lots of things, frankly, that I just wanted to talk with you about. So uh, no guest, just us, just you and me. And I was reading in the New York Times that uh, there's, there's quite a concern about whether or not death certificates today actually include or omit information that people really, really need. And there is a movement afoot out there across uh, America to be sure that death certificates uh, include accurate records um, because of what that means down the road for others. And so the author of this particular piece, which is um, when the death certificate omits the true cause of death, um, the the author here is, is starts off by talking about uh, the fact, her name's Jane Brody, she's talking about the fact that uh, she reads a lot of obituaries regularly, and she routinely checks the ages and then cause of death. And um, she writes about those things. And increasingly, she's been noticing um, that people are often said to have died of, quote, complications from some disease rather than from the disease itself. And there is a sanitizing of the word suicide. So um, people don't die by suicide, um, apparently. They, there are other, langu- other languages being used. And so she is lifting up here this concern about what's recorded and the accuracy of mortality statistics related to causes of death and on and on and on. All right. So um, 
it it led me because you know my mind wanders around a little bit when I'm reading things. It led me to wonder if Jesus had been issued a death certificate, what would it say? I mean, what was Jesus's cause of death? Just think about that for just a moment. What was Jesus's cause of death? Asphyxiation. I mean, he ultimately did die because he could not breathe. A person being crucified um, reaches the point where they can no longer uh, press them the weight of their body up um, because the spike that is through their feet or ankles uh, that's attaching them to the cross at the bottom, they can no longer press themselves up on that nail and pull them pull their upper body up. Uh, against the nails that have been driven through their hands or wrists in order to get their diaphragm open enough for their lungs to fill with air. So eventually you suffocate. So is that Jesus's cause of death or is his cause of death crucifixion? What really nailed Jesus to the cross? I mean, did he die for political reasons? Is that what should be listed on his death certificate? If you were signing Jesus's death certificate... Would you say that he died of asphyxiation, complications related to crucifixion? Did he die um, out of the Roman convenient desire to not have a Jewish uprising? Did he die by the demand of the Jews, crucify him, crucify him? Or is Jesus' cause of death your sin and mine? Cause of death listed on Jesus' death certificate should have been, I mean, if he had one the sin of the world. That's Jesus's cause of death. So, but here's the thing. If Jesus had been issued a death certificate, um, there would be a problem, would there not? <laughs> it's not really a question of how Jesus died, nor whether or not he died. He died. He died. He was dead in a grave, fully dead. The problem is he didn't stay dead. So he's got one of those death certificates, the date of which would be marked, and then, hmm, he rose from the dead. If you want to read Jesus's obituaries, the passion narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would be great places to turn today. And if you want to read eulogies about Jesus, good words, good stories told about his good life, you know, again, read the Gospels and read the letters of Paul. He talks a lot about the importance of the death of Jesus and what it accomplished for you and me. Jesus certainly had a life well-lived. We think about eulogies. We think about eulogizing people after they die, saying nice things about them. What might it mean for you to eulogize Jesus today? What kind of good stories could you tell about him? How could you make Jesus and the story of Jesus, and the death of Jesus, and his resurrection, and its application to you and your life, how could you weave that into a conversation today? All right, I'm going to give you some more ideas related to that, speaking good words and eulogizing one another, speaking good words over one another today um, in just a moment. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and this is Faith Radio. All right, when you um, when you think about 
what you're going to say today to and about others, let me just encourage you to speak a good word over someone else today. Um, I think we wait to say nice things about other people for, I think we wait too long. And sometimes we wait until it's too late for them to hear them. You know, we think about the golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. What if today we applied the golden rule to what we say? What if today we were to say unto others as we would have them say unto us? I mean, when we consider that if Jesus had a death certificate, it would have been our sin that signed it. Maybe that tempers the way we think about not only our own life and death, but other people and what they're dealing with today. So I just want to encourage us to be praying for one another, praying for people who are obviously having a hard time. Pray for those toxic people. Pray for Vladimir Putin. Pray for the people of Ukraine. Pray for people in places where your feet will never step and people who are living in circumstances that you and I could scarcely and wouldn't even dare to imagine. As we enter into this weekend, um, let's look for opportunities to speak a good word over someone else. And let's, let's start today. Let's, let's speak a good word over other people. Let's remind them of God's goodness and his grace and his love. Let's remind them of God's glory and his generosity. Let's remind them that God is available right now. That you don't have to wait for death to meet God. You're going to meet him then. But wouldn't you like to go ahead and meet him now and get to know him? Where are you going to spend eternity and how are you going to spend it? Those are the questions we often ask, but it actually all starts now. You're living your eternal life now. Wouldn't you like to go ahead and live it in an active relationship with the God who loves you and gave his son as a living sacrifice for you? His name is Jesus and all you need to do is turn to him. Turn to him. Have a great and a grace day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.